Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. How's it going, Luca Nation? Luca Nation Conrad here, of course, back with, uh, you know, the weekly episode, uh, the weekly Starstock episode. And, of course, I'm going to give my quick, you know, 10-minute or so breakdown on the Starstock Emerging 30 Index. So let me share my screen right here. There we go. All right. So for those of you that don't know how to get to the index yourself, if you want to go a little bit more in-depth, you go to the Starstock website, scroll down here, and you will see NBA Emerging 30, and then you can click View the Index, and you have the whole thing at your fingertips rather than my breakdown that I'll be bringing you today. So if you do want to do a little bit more of uh, education yourself, you can go ahead and do it using the steps that I just gave you. So let's get into this one today. March 29th, the weekly breakdown. And first player up is going to be Trey Young. Uh, he was trailing behind. However, he's finally kind of catching up, gaining a little bit of ground as far as prices go uh, because the Hawks have been on an absolute tear recently. They started off the season pretty hot, then they kind of fell off for a little while, and Trey Young especially was struggling for a little bit there. But now both he and the team have finally started to pick some things back up. The team's kind of recovering from injuries. They had a lot of people out. Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Chris Dunn, Rajon Rondo. You know, a lot of guys were out uh, throughout the season, and that didn't exactly help them uh, improve as a team, right? They, they kind of rely on their depth. And when you have a lot of guys out, you know, it kind of sucks. It kind of makes your team just a little bit worse, but they're finally sitting at 506th in the Eastern Conference, which is much improved from 11th, where they used to be sitting only just about a week or two ago. Uh, during this recent stretch, Trey has had multiple 30 or near 30-point games. Um, but in my opinion, actually, a big reason that Trey did tr jump up um, 26.7% this week was because they made a trade for Lou Williams. While I personally do think it was a bit of a downgrade from Rajon Rondo, um, a lot of people care more, I think, about Lou Williams and they care more about scoring, which is something I guess that Lou Williams provides over defense and over some playmaking, which is stuff that Rondo does a bit better than Williams, right? And I think that, I don't think that you know, the trade for Lou Williams is the reason people bought Trey Young. But I do think that could have been like the final straw, right? If people were on the fence, they're like, I don't know if I want to buy Trey Young or not. I'm not sure if I really like this. I'm not sure if I trust the Hawks, blah, 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 blah. Whatever their reason may be, trading, getting them to trade Rajon Rondo uh, for Lou Williams and two second round picks, that was like, okay, that's it. That puts it over the edge. I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit. And that, that was what made them hop off the fence, I guess is how you could put it, uh, and decided to buy up some Trey Young cards because he was definitely dipping. I uh, dropped 14.3% last week and has now gained 26.7%, sitting at about $190 for his base Prism rookie card. Next up, Tyler Hero is a superhero, or at least his price jump would make you believe that. He jumped up 13.3% uh, from $45 to $51 this week. And while the Heat were on a very hot streak for a while, I believe they were either 11-1 or 11-2, they have lost six straight games since then. However, during that time... Oh, ow, just smacked my hand against the desk. Excuse me. <laughs> However, during that time, people did notice that Hero had recently hit an all-time low, $45, like I just said, right? And during that time as well, he had almost a near 30-point game, very similar to Trey Young. And I think that just both of those two things combined kind of made people think, you know, 
He's pretty low. He just scored almost 30 points. We know that the kid is talented. The Heat looked good or did look good, I guess, beforehand. I'm going to buy some. It may be a little bit of a gamble, but I think it's worth it considering how low the prices are right now. Something I do want to mention, which isn't just specific to Tyler Hero, but it's also, um, I guess, speculative young players is the best way to put it. We can expect these kinds of jumps and this volatility from young players that we still don't know the ceiling of, right? These speculative young players, right? Because there are players that we kind of do know the ceiling of. We know Luka Doncic is already going to be one of the best players in the league for a while. You know, of course, this is all if players don't get injured. Right, like we know how good Luka Doncic can be, we know how dangerous Jason Tatum could be, we know how dangerous Brandon Ingram or Trey Young or whoever you want to say, we know how dangerous they can be. Tyler Hero is kind of a case of he could take a step to the next level, or maybe he stays in the role that he's currently in. No one really knows for sure just how good he's going to get or just how good he can get um, throughout the course of his career, right? So this kind of volatility and these kind of price jumps from these players, especially throughout their first couple of seasons, can be expected and should be something that you should be ready for when you do commit to buying these young and and speculative players. Excuse me. Third player up is Lowry Markkinen, who barely missed the deadline. He had a very disappointing year last season, and of course, much of that was due to misutilization from Jim Boylan, basically just using him as a spot-up shooter on the perimeter. Um, And while he is, you know, uh, being used better, I guess, under the coaching of Billy Donovan, his game is still very one-dimensional, basically just a stretch forward, forward with average defense. He is getting the ball more, so he's able to attack the basket a little bit more, but other than that, not really much improvement on the offensive side of the ball and not really much on the defensive side of the ball either. And of course, because the team is doing so bad, there just isn't a lot going for him as far as card prices go, or as far as making his card prices a little bit higher than where they currently sit. But the reason or the biggest reason that we saw a near 10% dip in my opinion was because he never got traded, right? There were a lot of rumors floating around and many fans expected him to potentially be traded at the deadline, but that never happened. Uh, Instead, Wendell Carter was traded and I believe it was Otto Porter Jr. was traded as well in order to land uh, Nikola Vucevic. And so I think because he was never moved, you know, card prices dipped a little bit more. People are starting to speculate when trades are going on, right? So um, because a lot of times when a player does get traded, their card prices take off by a drastic measure. Um, and, and, and other players associated with that move um, tend to also take off as well. But because many people expected him, to, expected him to potentially be traded at the deadline because he wasn't, card prices dipped because people were speculating that he would and they're not willing to pay the prices uh, that he's currently sitting at. So they're kind of trying to get out of his cards before they can potentially dip even lower than they already have. The final player on the list... A major, major, major crash from this player. Colin Sexton's team sucks. Sexton himself is having a fantastic season, having a fantastic season, which and he's averaging a career high 24 points a game on very good efficiency. Um, And while he has done very well uh, individually this year, his team is not exactly performing quite up to par. And now that the Cavs have officially gotten rid of uh, DeAndre, or DeAndre Drummond, I combined DeAndre Jordan and Andre Drummond there, excuse me. Now that the Cavs have officially let go of Andre Drummond, it's obvious that the team isn't going to be much better in the near future and a rebuild is most certainly going to be underway hopefully they kind of started a rebuild not too long ago but they didn't really fully commit to it because they kept Kevin Love and they got Andre Drummond and all these other pieces that weren't really fitting the timeline 
But I think now they're officially committing to a rebuild. And I think that we can all really expect that to go underway within the next couple of seasons and hopefully they can make some progress. Right. But something to mention about Colin Sexton, he was climbing up the ladder of card prices for a while. I think it was about five straight weeks just kept getting higher and higher and higher and higher. And I believe he re- he reached $61 at his high. Then, as you can see here, uh, if you're watching this on video, March 15th, he hit $51, which was a 20.3% dip from the, from the peak. Uh, $42, $42 on March 22nd, uh, which was a 17.6% dip. And today, $20, which is a 52.4% drop off in prices. That is, that is just crazy. Um, I mean, I mean, maybe it's a really good buy right now because obviously we do know that he is a very good player. The team itself just has to perform a little bit better. Right. Um, but a 52.4% drop. We have not seen that in a while. Let me actually, let, let me do a little bit of scrolling here and see if we have seen a drop that of that size ever not really i mean if you're watching this on video you can see he did drop 50.5 percent on february 15th and a guy right above him darius basley dripped by dipped by 40.9 percent that same week but other than that oh okay right here zion dipping by 44 percent but there's not a lot of there's not a lot of movement or a lot of um what's the word drop-offs that have been quite that size. In fact, that's the highest percentage uh, that I have seen. That's actually the only percentage that I've seen over 50%. Actually, I lied. There's John Morant right here, 53.1%. Uh, but that's going to be all I have for you guys today on those four. I do want to mention one quick thing before I go. A lot of guys in the red. A lot of guys in the red. We've seen four guys making a little bit of traction, gaining a little bit of traction. Four guys stay stagnant. But the other 22 have all seen a dip. Um, One thing to note, though, is if you are looking at this, Marvin Bagley, Darius Garland, Kyle Kuzma, Kobe White, Cam Reddish, Donovan Mitchell, those guys, all five of those guys right there are under 4%. In as far as the drop-off goes. So while they are dipping a little bit, it's nothing so drastic that you should be freaking out. You're like, holy cow, 25 guys in the red. The whole market is crashing. And while we are experiencing a dip in the card market, it's not quite as drastic as you may first think. Uh, but once again, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you really enjoy my part of the segment or my segment for this episode. But now get back to uh, Cajun Andrew and enjoy the rest of the episode. I'll see you guys next time. Luca Nation, ladies and gentlemen, we want to welcome you back to our Starstock Tuesday edition of Lucas Tigers and Bronze. Oh my, your number one podcast for all sports cards, collectible knowledge and ideas, strategies, etc. Dude, that was professional. You sound different today. Like, what's the deal today? Did you like? Did you get some this morning? I mean, did you get like a little afternoon stuff? I mean, you know, you remind me of it's like you know, the private parts, Howard Stern, where he he comes over to NBC and they make him say his like tagline, the WNBC. You know, he has to say it all weird and professional. You, hi, it's Andrew Goldberg, and I'm here today to deliver the sports news. It was very like you know. I'm in a transition stage in my life, <laughs> life cage. Oh, so that makes sense then. Congratulations. You know, I'm not going to ask. It's a lot of non-binary people out there in the world now. I mean, what are you transitioning to? Well, I want to be a more professional. I want to be a more professional uh, host and anchor oh, of a show. We have an amazing team behind us. We have an amazing. I thought you, thought you were transitioning to be a woman. 
<laughs> we have an amazing team behind us and we're growing this and we want to add value to our community and I want to make sure that I'm doing my part as a host. Nice. Well, one of us has to. So let's get into it. <laughs> let's get into it, brother. So uh, did you get Star a chance Stock to look day, at the StarStack data? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I did. I did. What stuck out the most to you? What was the one thing? The baseball index is up. Baseball index. You know what the one thing that stuck out to me? And we'll go right into baseball index, but I want to come back to this. Trey. Trey. Trey made the uh, the up list, which is interesting, right? So we'll talk about that after. But talk about baseball, man. I love it. I love baseball indexes up. First first time they're, uh, they're doing a little baseball. Well, that's all. That's really it. It was just up. It was, it was, uh, that was literally it. The baseball index was up after the modern market has been beat down across sports for basketball and baseball the last, what, three, four weeks. People have been, you know, I mean, you saw that chart, you know, the middle finger, the Jordan cards are down, cards are down, people are panicking, but now you see a little bit of a reversal. Where did uh, that come from? Into, where did this What's middle that? finger thing come from? The middle finger. It's like everywhere. Everybody posts a picture with a middle finger on it. I feel like people are telling me to F off. I don't even want to go on Instagram anymore. I'm afraid. I get the middle finger every time I log in. Do you want the honest truth? That came from Lameem. He started with the Mbappe chart. Remember the Mbappe card went up and it went down and he did the Eiffel Tower and then you turn the Eiffel Tower into a hand and into it's a middle, uh, middle finger. Yeah. Like I apologize. But like, for the middle finger. Yeah. And now it's kind of like a meme uh, around the card hobby just showing how cards have hit record highs, I guess, in late January, and then they've just plummeted. But they haven't plummeted. It's just a correction, uh, like we've talked about. And uh, I think you're seeing that. I mean, at this, you see that on different platforms, too. So, I mean, I want to talk about Topshop, but you also saw the same thing. They're just, there's corrections in every single market. Uh, I actually think that they're healthy, and they show you kind of, they set a new floor of support, perhaps. Might be a good way to, to kind of look at it. Uh, but no, I mean, baseball index is up 2% this week, which I think is pretty cool. I think it means people are excited for opening day. It's the last Monday and Tuesday of no baseball, just so you, just to put that out there. That's it. That's right. Is it possible that the middle finger chart turns into like a horns, like a hook of horns chart? Like maybe it becomes like, like it goes like, I'm trying to show you like one of these kind of things. Like I'm trying to do, it's almost like, could, could the chart, like middle finger, could Lamine do like a shocker chart maybe? Like he throw like, you know, then there's like another, another like spike up. Ideal. If if there's anybody that could do that, I think Meme would be the guy. All right. Well, listen, Lameem, if you're listening to this and we know you are, the next chart we want to see when the market goes back up, we want to see the shocker. So I'm tired of these middle finger talks. Yeah, it's getting it's getting upsetting. I'll <laughs> say what what's 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 interesting to me is with baseball up, top series one is the number one brand by sale. It's still yep. top five players um, by sales count in terms of who people are speculating on. Mm -hmm. uh, our basketball guys, Jordan Poole, Daniel Gafford, Nikhil Alexander, Terrence Mann, who was my play, uh, and Chuma Okiki, which which is interesting, man. If you look at that Orlando uh, roster, they're depleted. I mean, you have Dwayne Bacon getting like he put up, I think, 30 points against uh, against the Lakers. That, that, I guess you're about to find out who on that Orlando roster might have a starting spot next year. I think that's it's a trial for the rest of the year. And Okiki, people have been really excited about him for a year. And I think now is his time to kind of get some play. I don't know what will happen. I mentioned that in the Star Stock group. As soon as the trades happen, go go grab some Okiki. A lot of our guys did, which is great. Um, you know, we've seen his prices start to go up. Bacon, same deal. You know, I don't see him on the list, but you know, if you watch the Hornets games while Lamelo's been out, we told you to buy Devontae. He had a great game the other day with 30 points, set, hit the seven three pointers. But you know who's also getting a lot of playing time? Malik Monk. There's a nice bargain basement guy. He seems to show up and score 35 points 
and lead the team in scoring, you know, every time I turn around, I'm like, wow, Malik Monk again. Um, so yeah, there's, I mean, it's a bunch of ways to play to play this stuff on Starstock, right? Especially with all the trades, what's going to happen, you know? And and also, are there going to be guys who are sales? You know, I mean, like, I got a great question for you because you like this guy, right? Where did Aaron Gordon go? Went to the Nuggets. So how does that impact somebody like Michael Porter Jr.? Because that's that's the first thing I thought of when I heard that trade. Does it clog it up a little bit? Does it take opportunities away from him? Because the I've first thing think- I thought of was if I had Michael Porter Jr., I'd be selling him. But I'm curious about what you <laughs> say. Well, I've been thinking about the three these three teams. I think they kind of are on the same bucket. It's the Utah Jazz, the Denver Nuggets, and the Phoenix Suns, right? They're all guys, all teams with kind of star players. Like Jokic is probably the MVP this year, right? Yep. yep. Donovan Mitchell is unbelievable. I kind of see, um, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Like I see Donovan Mitchell following a similar career trajectory as uh, Giannis had. I, I really do. I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, he's taking time to develop, but. Can you not see Donovan Mitchell in one to two years being an MVP if the Possibly. team keeps finishing? Very different game, guys. He's not saying he's going to Very turn different. into a Giannis-type player. He's just saying the same trajectory. Career, tra- career trajectory. and towards an MVP you know, yeah. player. Yeah, 100%. I mean, to answer your question about Michael Porter Jr., it makes it tough, right? Because you have Jokic, who's like the main guy, and then you have a really solid supporting cast. Uh, I'm on the fence. I think that's the best way to put it. And you don't invest when you're on the fence, right? Like nope. you has to be a hell yeah to invest in something. <laughs> I think that's a really good criteria. Like if it's not a hell yeah, it's a no in investing. In you know, and, and sometimes you don't know, right? So it's funny because like here I am saying, okay, they're adding a piece like Aaron Gordon, but that's not going to be good for Michael Porter Jr. But on at the same time, I've heard so many people say John Morant is going to be better when Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back. So how do yep. you determine who gets better when they add a piece and who gets worse? You know, it's very, you know, I guess we'll have to see how they play, how they work together. So, A player like Michael Porter Jr., I will say this from an intangible perspective, sometimes guys like that who've had things fairly easy in their career, they've been number one guys to come in the way he's come in and be kind of relegated to not getting as many shots as he's used to uh, – Oftentimes, it leads to lack of effort. I haven't seen that from the Nuggets. This Nuggets team is really good, and he's playing his role. So this might be one of those things where you watch to buy a dip as a long-term opportunity, right? Like, you might believe in him three, four, five years down the road. There's no reason to rush in now. Watch his market and see if you could get it for 60% on the dollar, 70% on the dollar when someone's not really interested in him, and then make the move. Maybe that's the play with, like, a Michael Porter Jr.? He's like, young, man. Nobody thinks like that anymore. Nobody thinks about a two-year flip. Nobody thinks about, oh, let me buy that card and hold it. Everybody thinks about, let me buy it today and then I'll sell it after the next game. So, Do you uh, think – just uh, let's ask this question because this is – actually, Starstock's doing a good job of getting these cards in. Um, would you go with like a Silver Prism or a National Treasures RPA Auto as a better long-term investment? Forget the price point for just a second. Which do you think appreciates more? If it's a long, long, long-term hold, but if it's somebody you're looking to cash out on in a couple of years and you can get a National Treasures RPA, 100% get that. That's the kind of thing that has the ability to really go up because of scarcity. You know, and a, a Silver Prism, not so much. But if you're talking about a Silver Prism of somebody like um, a Giannis or somebody who's an earlier year Prism, it's a, it might be a different story. Obviously, I want the Giannis... Um, 
you know, national treasures, but that's like a huge card, right? You can still get the silver for you know, something reasonable, and it's still scarce. You know, there's not a ton of them. The silvers now, like, you know, you see what's going on, right, with like the current class. It's not, there's not a lot, you know, there's, there's plenty of these silvers. There's plenty of them graded, there's plenty of them high grade, you know, at least Let's, the national. Go ahead. Let's do a fun little exercise baseball, right around the corner. Give me three teams that you think are going to outperform this year and three teams that are going to underperform. Outperform and underperform. Okay. I'll give you one real off the bat real quick. Mets. I think Mets are going to have a really good season. Yeah, but they're kind of expected to now, right? Because they're, you know, outperform or underperform. I kind of think like, okay, who's going to who's going to surprise to the upside? Who's going to surprise to the downside? Like I I'm not going to say the Dodgers or the Rays or the Mets. Because they all, or even the Yankees, because they even they all have good teams, right? They all have very good teams. As a matter of fact, I might put the Yankees in in the in the underwhelm side, you know, surprise to the downside. Who's going to be, you know, unimpressive? Because, you know, yeah, they they still have Garrett Cole, but the rest. This is a pitching league. I know we like excitement. I know we like for the hobby. We don't mm-hmm. even think about pitchers, but pitching is what dominates. You have a great pitching staff. You have a great pitching staff. You know, the Dodgers. They won the World Series. And they added two Cy Young to their to their staff. So not only did Kershaw and Bueller and Dustin May and the whole crew return, but remember they signed David Price last year, and he's coming back. He didn't even play for them last year when they won the World Series. And they signed uh, what's his name? Um, I can't believe I'm going to forget his name. Trevor uh, Bauer. Trevor Bauer, right? They, you know they signed Bauer. So I mean, like that team just that's like that's like the Warriors adding Durant. And Fine. Let me had, let me go. Let me go a different direction. Mets or Braves win that division. So the what is it? The, is it the East NL East? It's the NL East. Yes. Um, you know, I'm still gonna say Braves, and here's why: the Mets still they still seem to find a way to get in their own way somehow. Whether it's an injury, something like that, you name it. I think the Mets make the playoffs. I think they're probably a wild card team. They've really gotten better, but you know, they're one. I don't want to jinx the guy, but they're one. Um, DeGrom injury away. That guy's got a real fluid throwing style, and he's just a really good pitcher, and he doesn't really get hurt. He's not like there's no, it's not a herky jerky, you know. His his throwing motion is real smooth, so that's why he's kind of avoided injuries for the most part. Um, but I heard in like spring training, he's throwing like 102 miles an hour, some crazy number, you know. Like he's like raring it, you know. He's 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 already throwing heat. Um, you know, there is one one injury there, and that was my point with the Yankees. Why I think the Yankees underwhelmed because even with Trevor Bauer and all these stuff out there, the Yankees have Garrett Cole and the rest of their rotation. So, like, the Dodgers are going to have a Cy Young winner in like the four spot. You know, like they're going to be great, right? So the Yankees they used to have a decent rotation, and their bullpen was awesome. Well, now their bullpen is Chapman and nobody because Britain got hurt and they let Adovino go. And Bell- Dylan Batanzas is there. They're there. You know, they used to have three closers basically, and now they have one who seems to give up the long ball anytime. You know, that team. Uh, you know, is is in a meaningful game. Um, so that bullpen's not exactly a strength anymore. And their starting rotation after Garrett Cole. You know what it is? Number number two pitcher is Corey Kluber, who like basically didn't pitch last year. I mean, like you know, he, he could be great. But he also could be terrible, you know? I mean, they're taking a flyer, and that's their number two. Every other team has, like, a Cy Young, you know, top pitcher at number two for, you know, the amount of money that they're spending, right? They never went out there and did anything. They picked up a Jamison Talon, Talon, however you're going to say mm-hmm. the guy's name. He's not even making their starting, you know, the starting go-round. 
They're going number three is Domingo Herman, who was out basically all of last year with the domestic violence, you know, issues. And he was good when he when before he went out. He, you know, he won a bunch of games, but like anybody can win a bunch of games that first 10 games out there until the scouting reports and somebody figures you out. And then Jordan Montgomery, another guy who's coming off of an injury and he was decent, but not, I mean, that this is the Yankees, you know, the Yankees should have, you know, like Andy Pettit, Roger Clemens, you know, I mean, they should have backed up by Mariano Rivera. Like they should have all the top guys and they're not spending on pitching. So I think that ultimately is going to catch up to them. You could have a murderer's role of offense and have, you know, John Carlos Stanton and, 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 all, and Aaron Judge and all these guys, DJ LeMahieu, you know, the batting champ. But if you can't pitch, it doesn't matter. You're not winning in this league. So I think an underwhelming is the Yankees. Um, um, you know, I'd love to say the Rays, but the Rays are just going to be steady because they're always steady. I think an overachieving, the Red Sox. You rarely see the Red Sox to have two bad years. They haven't really done much to improve their team. You know, there's this Dalbeck, who, by the way, if you're looking for a prospect or somebody to invest in, Boston's got a, a really good player. Um, but um, but I think they're going to surprise to the upside. Um, you know, they also have a, um, a pitching staff that you know, if it breaks right, they could be a lot better than people think. But no one's expecting anything out of them. You're talking like betting odds, right? No one's expecting a big win total out of them. I think they could surprise, especially if the Yankees are not as good as people think. Um, what about the Cardinals? Where do you see Nolan Arenado? You know, he, he, it's a big move in the offseason. He's a really solid third baseman. They have Molina, who's as steady as they come. A big part of pitching cage is catching, it's right? Catching, and Molina's yep. as steady as they come as a catcher. Like, that's a, that's a pitcher's paradise. So you know speak. who the Cardinals remind me of? They remind me of the Spurs organization. You know, like they're always steady. They're always professional. They always win. They always do well. And they find a way to bring in, you know, somebody like that as well, you know, like a Paul Goldschmidt, right? You know, I mean, to come in and, you know, and, and, and play, right? Um, I, I like them. I like the, I like the Cardinals. I don't think they're going to be doing it. So, so here is a, um, here's a surprise team for me. And it could have some real hobby impact. I think they're actually going to play really well this year. And again, it's like everything else, health. I think the Angels finally make the playoffs for our friend Mike Trout. <laughs> I think the Angels actually get in the playoffs because I think, and look, this is not going out on a limb here because his cards are way too expensive for me to ever invest in because there's just so much upside there. But I think Shohei Otani is just amazing. And if he stays healthy, I mean, the dude is a legit pitcher and a legit hitter. He's not like a like a quarterback. He's really that good you've watched him oh, play? Oh, dude, he is really good. Like he can pitch like anybody. Like he's a he's a he's a top top flight starter. He's like a one or a two on a team, and also can, he can stroke the ball. I mean, I'm telling you, but Cage, just yeah. from like a physical perspective, like I don't think a, a human body was meant to throw a, a fastball 100 miles per hour, and then to have that same body go and hit a fastball. Like I'd like to tell like, you we, you're wrong, but he has shown you that you're right. So well, far in his career, he hasn't we, been able we to always do it. laugh at baseball, but like I'm getting injured. But like, if you think about it, like your body, what like your body was made to run, your body was not made to chuck overhand. Uh, like, how many times they throw 100 pitches a game yeah, at 100 yeah. miles an hour? So, like, it's uh, listen, tough. like, there's a reason why no one's ever done that since like 1914 with Babe Ruth. I'm with you, and but I think you know, if he has a chance to stay healthy, it's great. You bring Joe Adele up, you got Mike Trout. Like that team has some real weapons, some real tools to make. You some like noise. this Adele guy? You bring him up a lot. Is it? Yeah, is, you, do you like the singer Adele? Some something I forgot about you, or and that's why he reminds you of it, or what's the deal? So Adele and I, we share a lot. You know, I mean, she she and I were 
People don't do actually, it. Don't do it. Don't people, go this way. People have actually confused me for Adele, actually, in supermarkets and stuff. So, but no, um, we're talking Joe Adele here now, handsome. So yeah, dude, he's one of these potential five-two players who could be really good. He could also be a bust. He could, you know, he could be the next Upton. Um, so you know, we we shall see. But um, baseball is gonna be gonna be an exciting year, man. You know, um, uh, you, you gotta. It's funny because you wait for opening day, and then opening day happens, and you're like, okay, who's getting called up? You know, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, but basketball starts. Okay, how how far are we till the All Star break? And then All Star break happens. And you're like, okay, when are the playoffs again? Um, baseball is a long season, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, if I were looking for an underwhelm Yankees, which is terrible because I'm a Yankee fan, overwhelm. I think the Angels could actually make some noise. I do think, just like I when we did our NCAA pick, I said Gonzaga's going to win the whole thing, and I'm going to go chalk because they're just that good. I think if if you're asking me who who wins the World Series this year, I say the Dodgers again, just I'm because stacked. I mean they 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 are just head and shoulders better than everybody else. And then, you know maybe it's the Yankees and, and the Dodgers in the World Series that would be cool for me to watch. I just I, I don't think anybody can compete with the Dodgers. And if you're if you're making plays on that, you know Mookie Betts, you know your 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 Bellinger play, your Betts play. You know you want some sneaky pitching play. Dustin May. You know, they, you know, he could potentially turn into the next, like, Walker Bueller or the next, you know, Clayton Kershaw, one of these guys who, you know, you can buy for a buck or two on Starstock, since we're doing a Starstock episode here. Um, you know, I've put some Chrome rookies of his on Starstock myself. I think I accepted last week, like, a $0.75 cent offer on one of them. So, you know, you can always find those on Starstock. Um, you know, my favorite quote in sports is, it's not my favorite, but it's one of them. It's like, uh, co- coaches coach, players play. Mm-hmm. And just at the end of the day, like, I mean, when you have, you know, t- a top 20 players on your team, you have like 10 of them, as the Dodgers do in just about every category. And it's, it's really hard to get beat. I, I, there's a lot against you because I will say when you build a star-studded roster, there's a, a, there's an added layer of motivation from the rest of the league to destroy you kind of thing. Yep. There is that. There's a big target on your back. But at the same time, I mean, when you have a six-deep just all-star rotation pitchers and then like a 10 deep uh, just batting lineup with MVP after MVP after MVP after MVP after MVP. I, I think it's the writing's kind of on the wall, but I mean, we'll see. Listen, Kate, they have expectations. We, it reminds me of the Nets, right? I mean, what does it do for the Nets if they Well, they've won. Win? The Nets have never won anything. At least the Dodgers won last year and they got better. This team has never won. Sure. But we'll be remiss because, you know, we're committed to our audience and – Right before recording, we're recording this Tuesday, right before. So we haven't had a chance to digest this, go through it. We're going to reach out to the Starstock team and also have a conversation with Scott and them because we want to hear from, from right from them, you know, what's their vision, what they're trying to do. But at the same time, Cage, I don't think we would be who we are if we didn't bring it up on today's episode, right? I'm with you. What are we bringing up? So we got an <laughs> update from our team email from Starstock. Yep. And there's four categories. There's a fast pass, submission co- costs, Graded card shipping and raw card backlog section. Which one do you want to start with? Hmm. I'll start with one. So Whatever I, you like. first, I think I'm confused. Cool. I think it's well. You, I'm talking about the email that Starstock sent. I know, I know, but you just gave me too many options. So okay, you just sorry. Pick one. Well, I'll go with the good news first. Fast <laughs> nice. Fast. Starting April first, their current turnaround time is one week or less for graded cards and factory sealed wax. I'm excited about that. As someone who sent cards to PWCC, I could say it's it's longer than that. 
So one thing is good with that. Like you're able to send in greater cards and have them on your account in seven days or less. So that's pretty cool. The thing that our group, our community, and I don't think we're the only ones that are going to be unhappy with. And we talked about this a little bit right before hopping on. It's, it's just no one likes raw dog in it anymore. The raw cards are no longer in favor in the hobby. And that's what started the hobby. And Cajun and I are sitting here questioning, you know, why does no one like it raw anymore? So there's 25 cent per card submission fee on raw cards now accepted at Starstock. That's going to be met with a lot of Cage even got up off his seat because I know uh, I know I poked the bear, but we got to go here. You know, we're going to get more information from Scott on this and, and the direction, but this is going to leave people feeling a little alienated. You know, you felt alienated because you're going into your basement right now and you have thousands of these cards you were prepared to <laughs> send to Starstock. <laughs> Do you think uh, how n not if this is a right or wrong decision, because everyone's going to have opinions. They're like, you know what they say. How would you play this as an investor, as someone who's using the Starstock platform? You know, what, what what's going through your mind? I don't know, dude. I mean, 25 cents per raw card. Um, I think Starstock has has shown that they are um, they're looking to you know move into the graded category. You know what I mean? And um, you know that maybe they're trying to move out of raw. I, I mean, is that so bad? It depends on what you're using Starstock for, you know? Because one of the things we talk about on the show is coloring up. I mean, we do it on – I would say that's a bread and butter concept that you've taught me, Cage, frankly. <laughs> I mean <laughs> – What did you get your old Walkman from the basement? You're why are you not on the, in the middle of the screen? Oh. <laughs> I like it raw, man. I mean, this is what I'm going to tell you. I mean, I, I mean, it took me a little while to find another way to put that song on and not have to leave, you know, the camera here, you know. But but I mean, I got to tell you, my favorite part about Starstock is is sending in cards raw and coloring up. Um, and you're talking about sending in hundreds, thousands of cards and, and coloring them up. Now, I get why Starstock would do what they're doing. Um, you know, there's a lot more liquidity and a lot more um, of a marketplace for graded cards or higher end raw cards. Um, <clears throat> I don't think they're, <clears throat> I don't think the 25 cent fee is going to kill raw it's just going to make it so that you're not sending in a uh 2017 optic red yellow card yep. that you pulled out of a pack of a rookie to get a quarter for it you what do you think I mean? the price point is 10 or more for a raw card basically we well see? i mean uh, you know if you're talking about 25 cents now right you know you're talking about you're adding two and a half percent to a ten dollar card so basically what you're saying is on a ten dollar card, now Starstock is now seven and a half percent VIG, which is getting it closer to you know eBay's ten percent or so. You know, um, so I would say it's even more than that. You know, how would twenty five bucks? Twenty five bucks makes it one percent. How would you? Um, how would you respond to this? You know, it's financially unsustainable for their their employees to waste time or spend time on reviewing these cards and grading them. It's, uh, they're is, at a loss. 
I think that's the case. I think it, it has to be, and I think that that's you know what the what their their newsletter is saying that you know they would need probably hundreds of people to go in there and grade all these ten cent, five cent, you know, twenty five cent cards, um, and they would rather have a five percent fee on on less higher end cards than more lower end cards, which. I'm sure they have the data, and I'm sure there's a reason why they're doing it. But I will tell you, on a lot of my cards, they were making more than 5%. Because I'm accepting 15-cent offers, and they're taking a nickel. So they're making 33% on those. You know what I mean? You know, I'm, I'm selling cards for, you know, for 50 cents, and they're taking 5 cents on it. That's a, you know, that's a 10% fee. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I get it, and probably that nickel doesn't matter. When you talk about percentages, it doesn't really matter if it's a nickel. You know, it probably costs more than a nickel right. for them to grade that card, put it in a category, store it, and all that stuff. Um, so I get it. <laughs> Most I get definitely it. it is. Would uh, would kind of a mix between PWCC and Top Shot interest you as a business model? I think that's what StarStock's kind of position themselves as, if you kind of think about it. Yeah. I mean, the liquidity and the frictionless side of Top Shot and the storage and one-stop shop and ease of use and vaulting of PWCC. I get it. Listen, here's the thing, and I'll say this. These guys, they know what they're doing, right? And there's going to be growing pains. And I know that our group has already said, wow, you know, this really changes it. But but that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? You know, you know Starstock will have its, its purpose, its utility, and it's not going to be in cheap raw cards presently. So that's, you know, that's the only, that's the only difference. Um, you know, and look, if you're the average flipper in this game, you're somebody like me who was buying five and ten dollar raw cards, grading them, and now they were 75, 80, or 90 dollar, um, you know, PSA 10s. Whether it's your modern basketballs, your Ruiz, your Brandon Clarks, your Devontae Grahams, whatever it is from the last couple of years, right? And those cards are, you know, they sell for 90 or 100 bucks. Star stock makes sense. You send those into Starstock, and they're going to take five bucks on a hundred dollar card instead of you losing thirteen bucks. So now you get ninety five dollars on that hundred dollar slab instead of getting eighty seven, right? And I think that's where they want to play. They want to have those cards. They want to have you know the ones that have liquidity and they're easy to move, you know. And there's a market to be made for them. You know, half of the cards in my account, the Terrence Ferguson Optic Hollow Starstock B, doesn't really have a very liquid market. I'm not saying anything bad about Mr. Ferguson, <laughs> but but, you know, if they really are trying to set up a, a liquid market, um, you know, the moves that they're making make sense. So that's two, right? We talked about the fast, fast pass mm -hmm. for grading. I think that's cards. a big thing because I think customer acquisition is a big deal, right? Because you need people on the platform buying and selling. And frankly, there's just not as many buyers and sellers of raw cards this, in today's day and age as there used to be. You know, DJ is someone from our OG group who made his bread and butter on like com c you know buying for a dollar 33 selling for 934 uh but i think the game has changed right because people probably don't value buying those low-end cards because they don't they don't think that they're ever going to send them into psa and there's a better game to play maybe yeah yeah so i mean you know the unfortunate part is somebody like me who tomorrow is going to open up a box of prism basketball you know, I'm going to send out for grading right. my Lamello and my Edwards and that kind of stuff. And then there's going to be other guys in there. You know, who knows? Who knows who you get in there? And Peyton Pritchard, you know. But 
you know, there's going to be a ten dollar card, right? You know, there's going to be a guy who's a rookie in there who I want to. Uh, what do I do with it? Seriously, what do I do with it? Do I do I send it to PSA for twenty five dollars? Do I do I do I have it graded for twice the price that the card's worth raw? Do I send it to Starstock when I know they're going to charge me, uh, you know, twenty five cents on a ten dollar? I'm paying two and a half percent just to have it intake before Can it I pull even sells. Our Nation? Sure. There's a cool business model out there. Cage and I have been talking about this, and we were joking about the raw thing. No one wants raw anymore, but it's it's actually something we've talked about. In the last three, four months, consigning selling the raw cards has become incredibly difficult. It's like no one wants them. Uh, what's a cool business model? What's a cool what's a cool business idea that you that we could come up with? I'm sorry, I had to. Because I do. You, you wouldn't be you if you didn't do that. So <laughs> I love you the way you are. But now, like, uh, what's a cool business model? What's something we could do with these two to twenty-five dollar cards, two to twenty dollar cards that there used to be a market for, and now there's just nothing to do with them. So curious to hear what Luca Nation has to say. It's and a very good it. question, right? Because isn't that the? I think isn't that a lot of what the hobby was built on, right? And I mean, you know. I remember when I got into UFC cards, right? Um, you know, the tops first got into them, and they were putting these base cards in packs. And they were base cards, and no one cared about base cards, right? They didn't care about it. They, they put these base cards out there, and the base cards were, you know, they were, they were just filler for the hit, for the relic card, for the auto. And I remember at the time, it was Leaf. It was 2010, Leaf made a product. In 2011, they, they, the, the, the CEO of the company, Brian Gray, who's still the CEO of Leaf, um, they haven't done you know MMA in a long time, he came into a lot of our groups and was like, what, what should I do? Like, what do you think would work? Like, you know, how do we change this stuff, right? And what was pitched to him was an all-hit product. You know, send a box of cards, and he made Leaf metal. And Leaf Metal was, was a really cool product. It was eight already top-loaded, already penny-sleeved and top-loaded, eight autographs in a box. So it, that was how you, it wasn't like in a pack. You opened it up in a box, you took them out, they're already top-loaded, penny-sleeved, eight autos in like ascending order of, of better cards. So like the back of the thing was great for breaks and reveals. They just weren't around at the time. Um, and he was like, I'm not going to waste my money on base cards and making these things if you guys don't even care about them. And it was the coolest rip. It was the coolest product. I must have opened 30 cases of it myself, you know. And, um, you know, I wonder whether or not base cards kind of go the way of the dodo. You know what I mean? I wonder where some of these, these smaller cards, you know, I mean, do they just do like, do they do a factory set for people who like base cards? And if you want to get a factory set of Topps baseball cards, go right ahead to Walmart and Target. They'll have a factory set for you or buy it online. But the rest of it is just, you know, the product becomes like a hit-only product kind of deal. Does that have collateral effects? Because So when I came into the hobby, uh, by the way, guys, use code LUCANATION10. You'll get a free Terrence Mann card on Starstock. All you have to do is deposit 5 bucks. Use LUCANATION10. You'll get 10 bucks. You can buy uh, Starstock, hey, Terrence Mann, or anything you want. Uh, so I'm gonna hide this. Nice, pretty cool. See what I did there. Look but, at you. Uh, look at me. Like high tech, man. Next we're gonna I fly. I, was say, I forgot what I was saying. the moon. <laughs> See, this is what tech does. It takes your actual train of thought away. What was I talking about, Cage? <laughs> we were talking about uh, the ripple effects of uh, changes in the hobby. Yes, okay. Prism. Prism's coming out. I think so. When I came in, everyone t told me like the one thing is Prism is king, right? I think Prism's the ugliest design ever. And I think that they've kind of given up on aesthetic in general. 
And if base cards, like we've talked about, the base craze goes way of the world, like what is Panini in a little bit of trouble if they don't adapt? I think if they would hear what they would tell you is that they make a million releases and there's something for everybody. There's high-end, you know, National Treasures, but you open it up and it's just like hits and hits and hits. And there's low-end, you know, Dunruss, you know, Hoops, uh, you know, all these other products for, for anybody else who just wants to open something and have base cards and the like. Um, so, so Prism isn't the driver. Prism just one of the releases, and you know if Prism becomes less popular, maybe Select goes up because it's it's a little bit lo lower population, a little more scarce. To you know what it is, and you see it with just with what Starstock's doing, right? Everybody's trying stuff. You know that the the world changes, and you got to change with it, right? PSA pricing changes. You know, um, you know what liquid changes, what people are going after changes, and you know, I, I Starstock. You know when they when they started in December, it was hey, let's get in cards. You know, now they've gotten in more cards than they know what to do with. So I think they can now tailor their platform to what they think is going to create a better user experience, right? You talk about UI, UX all the time, right? So, so you know, I, I think what, what they're trying to do here is they're trying to bring um, a platform for the cards that are traded the most. And they're trying to, you know, basically steer their customer base to only be subbing in and sending in cards that will have liquidity rather than charging, rather than other things. And, and rightfully so. They're not telling you you can't send it in, but they're saying if you want to send it in, they have to upcharge, you know, like a cover charge at a bar or whatever it may be. I mean, it, it makes sense. It, it just does. If you want to get rid of a card that you can't sell anywhere else, it's okay for them to charge you an extra couple of percent. So the more I think about it, even as somebody like me who is um, – you know, who's thinking about sending thousands of cards in, those are thousands of cards that I wasn't getting anything for. So what's another, you know, what's another couple of, couple of pennies that's being charged on the overall, uh, you know, the overall fee? Even like we talked about, adding twenty, adding 2.5%, that still brings them up to 7.5% overall, which is cheaper than I was going to, you know, pay anywhere else. So, God. I was just going to wrap, man. Luca Nation, you guys have asked us for more content, more video content specifically. You want to see more of this beautiful guy's smile. Uh, so we're going to do it. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, go follow us on YouTube. You could even watch our podcast now in video form on YouTube. So uh, listen, before, we, before we kick it, before we kick it off, before we you know end this thing here, what about some of the other data, right? So basketball is still holding steady at about 50%, even though it's the week of baseball. I expect the baseball to take a little bit of a jump up, um, you know, going forward. We talked about like the teams. It's still basketball. It's still people on the teams. Um, you know, any baseball Num names that, that jump out at you. I am looking forward to, from a star stock perspective, that first week of games. We're talking in a couple of days. You know, mm -hmm. Somebody's going to jump out. Somebody's going to have a two home run game. Somebody's going to, you know, going to be a, uh, you know, uh, out of nowhere kind of thing. And I'm, I can't wait to see what happens to the star stock A of that player or those two players or a pitcher who has a great game or starts off two and zero out of nowhere. You know, an Ian Anderson or you know, we talked about him last year or Joe Adele. You know, because I'm talking about him. You know. Um, what I love about the star stock model that you don't get anywhere else is that daily maneuvering, right? You can't get that on eBay. You can't get, you're not going to have the card. You're not going to get the, you know, the time it's, it's, it's literally daily fantasy for cards. If you want it to be, you know, you can buy long-term stuff. If you look at my holdings, my holdings, I got, you know, PSA 10. So guys now, and those are not something I'm looking to flip, you know, tomorrow based on how somebody performs. Um, but the star stock, Hey, you know, yeah. If you didn't get into a fantasy draft this year, you know, 
you can get on Starstock and draft your own fantasy team of Starstock A baseball players, the guys who you think are going to outperform, and watch in a week or two. You know, the prices on those cards probably go up. It's just another way of playing daily fantasy. Maybe we'll do that. Hey, Luca Nation, you guys want to get in kind of like a, you know, we'll call it like an informal Luca Nation fantasy kind of thing. Let's, you know, maybe we'll have a different group. Or maybe we'll do it in the group we already have. You know, let's talk about who would be your outfield one, outfield two. Who would be your best center field? Like, who are some plays? You know, we can chat about it. You know, you got any ideas? Go ahead and send us a message. Here's my guy. Here's who I would pick. Here's my fantasy sleeper, my dynasty, my dynasty sleeper. You know, here's the star stock A that I would that I would be uh, I'd be going for Wanda Franco or whoever it may be for when he gets called up. Um, it's fun, and we talked about this yesterday, and I want to continue to hit that as much as we can. Find places where you can have fun in the hobby, and this is an easy way to have fun, right? Because I was talking to Andrew about this before we signed on, right? You know, Top Shop buying cards, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to give away this card. And he's like, you spent an hour this morning trying to scrape $3 out on a Top Shot slip. Right. But you're going to give away this $300 card. And I told him, I said, you know, like everybody else in this hobby, we want to be right. Right? That's, it's better. I don't care about the $3 gain or the $5 gain. I want to be right. I want to say, I called this card at this price, and now it's this price. Because that gives me kind of like a little adrenaline boost. makes me feel good. It's like, ah, I was right. You know, <laughs> my research was right. This, this moment was this price. This card was this price. So... You can get that with Top Shot and have some fun with it, you know? You buy a card at a buck, it becomes two bucks. Look at you. Go, ah, I know what I'm doing, you know? And <laughs> the best part is, you know, if it's, if it's uh, like if you're buying um, a Star Stock A, right? Then what are you buying? Aren't you buying, ooh, baby, I like it, bro. I couldn't get a thing to play the song. I was trying. I was queuing it up, but I couldn't get, I couldn't get this phone to play the song again. So I just sang it for you myself. See you tomorrow, Luca Nation. We have, <laughs> cool, we have some really cool guests lined up this week. Uh, so I'm looking forward to you it. You want to tell them who's coming on Thursday? You want to tell them what the guest episode is for Thursday? You mean Patrick Bit David? Yes, that's what I mean. I Very mean, nice. we've told him a few times. But people say you yourself. I don't want to repeat myself. Just in case, you know, people just tuned in for the Starstock episode. Patrick Bet David. And it's a, it's a big one, guys, Thursday, because this was like Andrew's bucket list when we started this thing off. He was, he was, we can check off one of the things on the bucket list. We still need to buy him those really high red high heels and that tight-fitting dress to check that one off on the bucket list for Andrew. But um, what? You don't want me to tell him about the whole bucket list? You just want me to tell him about Patrick Grant David being on the show? This is something I'm doing better. You're absolutely <laughs> right. It is on the bucket list. And Cage was like, hey, right before the call, he's like, I'm excited. You know, Are you excited for this? And when I accomplish something, I don't always take the intentional time to to like high five and be like, we did it. Uh, I'm just on to the next one. But I appreciate it. It was a bucket list thing. I respect them a lot as a businessman, as an entrepreneur. Uh, I love virtual mentors, and uh, he's one of them. So thanks, Gage. And well, thank listen. you, Luca Nation, for helping us grow so that he found interest in doing this. That's really the. That's it. Thank you, guys. That's the key right there. We appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now eh, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.